Matt Sears send up a counterfactual history. It's the Rugby League Cemetery. This is the Rugby League Cemetery. Very good to have you with us for the seventh episode. And uh, this is a big one. Everybody remembers the 1997 grand final, but not so many people will remember that the Knights were very lucky to be there in the first place. And that if only a couple of things had gone differently, that great Darren Albert fairy tale would never have happened. We're going to get into some alternate history today. Now, of course, going into this game, it was Newcastle versus North Sydney in the preliminary final. Winner into the grand final, loser leaves the country. The Knights had finished second that season. Norths had finished fourth. Um, there are a couple of things, I guess, to mention going into this game. Norths had won both the games through the regular season, and they were appearing in their fourth preliminary final in seven years. And, uh, well, if you listen to one of our earlier episodes, you'll know they lost the other three. Um, so it was getting a little bit desperate for the North Sydney Bears at this point. Andrew Johns had barely played all season, um, but the Knights had still managed to finish second on the table. They beat Parramatta in the first week of the semis. They lost to Manly in the second. Norths had lost to East in a ridiculous game in the first week of the finals, then beaten Parramatta to get into this game. And Gaz, well, this there is so much incident in this game and there are so many ways that the Knights could have ended up not playing in the 1997 grand final at all. Strap yourself in, baby. It's our, it's our debut Knights game. I couldn't yes. be keener. I yes. uh, couldn't be happy. It's very difficult to do this one objectively, but we're, we'll do our best. And no, you couldn't be more right. There's uh, a million things, a million moments in this game, actually both ways. But I think there's just so many moments for both teams that if it goes the other way, there's so many moments uh, where Newcastle could have kicked away and actually won this by a lot. And there's so many moments where the Bears and their comeback could have could have nailed this and, and put yeah. the, really just run over the top of us, isn't it? It's an incredible I, game. I wrote at the end of the game that the Knights had spectacular luck to be able to win. But if they had lost, it would have been unfathomable. And I don't mean to bewilder people, but like it's simultaneously, they're very lucky, but they would have been, it would have been sort of completely baffling if they'd lost. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it absolutely does. The way I sort of see it is that they, for large portions of the game were the superior side. Yeah. Uh, They looked better. They looked bigger. They looked stronger. But on the other hand, everything good they did, North stopped. They stopped all the tries. They did all that. Both the tries were, well, I'll get into the second one because it was pretty incredible. Both the tries in the first half, one of them was sheer luck. The other one was was, was fairly arsy in the end. Yeah. And all the good stuff they did where they ran over them didn't amount to anything. So this North it, just right? held their gloves up, held their gloves up, held their gloves up and inexplicably make a very North's late charge where you go, well, they've got them now. And then they don't because they're North Sydney. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, I yeah. should tell people, in case they haven't been able to watch the game yet, uh, the score, the, the Newcastle's 17, North's 12. Um, we'll get into how that all sort of unfolds in a minute. But th- th- that's right. It's like th- th- the reasons that the Knights should have won the game aren't the reasons they end up winning the game. No. No, yeah. that's exactly right. It, it was everything that went right amounted to nothing. And then they pulled a few fluky things out to, to really to, to get them. Yeah. Um, but you're right, like the better football side won the game. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fair it's a result. It's a kind yeah. of, it's a fair yeah. result. Arrived that really luckily, really fortunately. Yeah, that's yeah. right. 
Yeah. Um, just a couple of uh, a couple of bits and pieces for you on the the lead up to the game. Uh, Jason Taylor was the leading point scorer in the ARL in nineteen ninety seven. I should mention, of course, this is this is ninety seven. This is the split season, so half the comps off playing in Super League, half the comps in the ARL. The ARL ran a twelve team competition. Jason Taylor was the top point scorer. Uh, he kicked at eighty four percent in nineteen ninety six, and he kicked at seventy five percent in nineteen ninety seven. Um, and yet, on the big day, it didn't happen for him. We'll get it, we'll get into that in a little bit later. The other thing I just want yeah, to... another thing just quickly on Jason Taylor, he kicked four from four the week before, and yeah. he scored twenty points against the Knights in their last test start. He Earlier scored in twice the season, and kicked yeah. all the goals. Yep, so that yeah. was worth throwing in. Yeah. By contrast, the other halfback Andrew Johns had played. Uh, he only played eight regular season games. Um, and the, the Knights did win all but two of those. But Leo, Leo Denver played 19 times in 1997. Joe, Joey Johns was barely uh, was, was barely a factor in their run to the finals, um, which seems hard to imagine now. You know, people remember 97 as the Andrew Johns year in a way, but he kind of he, he played once in May and they didn't play again until July. Yeah, he, he had a bad ankle injury from memory. I haven't checked that, but my memory yeah. is he was on crutches. Yeah, he also had a suspension at some point, I believe, um, during the season. So did Matthew, actually. Matthew got a few weeks as well. So they actually spent a period early in the year playing with Leo Diniver and, and about 19, 20-year-old Matt Gidley playing 5'8", which um, it, it's what, a funny thing. is that with this. No, it's not the worst, but uh, it's an alternate history for you. Yeah. But th- the other thing about that is that there's, there's a lot you know, of luck involved here in it being the split season. So in the season that you had to run without Andrew and for quite a considerable doubt about Matthew, uh, you get to watch Matt Gidley and Leo Diniver really dick the crushes and stuff like this. And they, yeah. they get a run of games in there where they're able to beat teams that, you know, if we we're playing in the uh, the joint competition, they might have drawn Brisbane, Canterbury and the Raiders without the Johns brothers. And, and that might have been a little bit more difficult to overcome than taking Rather on the crushes and, yeah, the West, Magpies. West yeah, so there was an element of luck in it. And um, I don't want to get too deep in a debate over which competition was stronger, but both teams had, uh, both competitions had some very weak teams down the bottom. Yeah. Um, so if there was a year to try and get away with having a couple of your key players out, this was probably the one. There's another thing about this that I, in doing a bit of research, jumped out at me. Nobody would think this is true, but it is. 1997 was and remains the night's lowest year for crowds, their lowest average crowd in history. Um, 14,257. And in fact, in the middle of the season in June and July, there were three games in a row where they got 6,000. Which just, mm. again, it just seems, um, and I know there was wet weather and all of this, but it just doesn't accord with how you remember that year or how that game, that's remembered by the game, right? It's this, oh, it's this big groundswell. It's Newcastle. They, you know, the people were out in force. They were foaming at the mouth for the Knights to win the comp. In reality, they, they played a lot of games in empty grounds in the middle of the year. Yep, they did. Um, there's a couple of things in that. Firstly, look, people got a lot of fans. Obviously, you got your Rustodons, not pointing my finger at myself or anything. It was at all of those games, but including <laughs> the away ones. But um, they're, they're, you know, you're less rusted on fans. You're, you're casual to not even casual, but serious, but not nuts fans. Um, 
a lot of them got a bit tired of the Super League war and both, there was a lot of people that were real fatigued at how but both sides that just got pushed away from the sport generally. Yeah. Um, and, and that was definitely a factor. And it was unusually wet. Um, it was underwater a few times. I think we got a game cancelled or postponed. Yeah, I have to check yeah, that. yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I got a real feeling. I was devastated. I just remember I was about eight and I just remember it being crushed. This <laughs> meaningless <I> mid-season <laughs> game being cancelled has really wrecked my week. I think that's fair. I think if you wake up in yeah. the morning... You wake yeah. up in the morning thinking, I'm going to the football today. And then, yeah. oh, no, no, I'm not going. I mean, that's, that, that's enough to yeah, ruin anyone, right. I think. Even, yeah. You know, it was unusual because they played an underwater game at Leichhardt as well. They played it wet. It was really wet. It sounds really stupid to say the crowds yeah. are low because of rain. It was really wet, unusually wet. It's funny that, uh, it's, it's, it's funny that the Almighty selected 1997 for the year for uh, you know, the ARL to have to play all its games at waterlogged grounds in Sydney and in Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Um, it's a strange quirk that I guess, especially for all those clubs who were trying to build up the crowds to survive. It's not so much an issue for the Knights, but for Balmain and Souths and Wests and all of that. Um, yeah, it's a strange quirk of fate, I guess. They didn't need to be made to look any worse than they were crowds-wise. That certainly yeah. didn't need that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Norths really limped into the semis. They lost four of their last five games. They lost, they in fact, even lost to West uh, in the run-in and still finished only two points behind the Knights, which I guess shows how strong they'd been earlier in the year. There can't be any sense that this was a dolly kind of roll over North Sydney site. This is a very strong team full of state of origin players, players who ended up playing tests. This is a good side. This is a, you don't look at, if you look at those two sides, knowing what we know now, you think, oh, the Knights are much stronger. But at the time, they go in fairly even. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, a few of those players' legacies, because they didn't win, uh, haven't become what the Knights' legacies became. But the fact is that they were extremely good players. Um, Matt Sears played State of Origin. You know, like Robbie O was coming through as an Origin player at that time, you know, just before then in a split comp. Um, Matt Sears played in, in the same time, played for New South Wales off the bench at the same time Robbie O debuted. So they were both at a fringe Origin level at the same time. And, and Robbie O kicks yeah. on arguably because the Knights win um, and, and gets that sort of fame there. It, you go through Jason Taylor in the early 90s was Ricky Stewart's backup, you know. Uh, by the time Ricky Stewart's away with Super League, Andrew Johns has gone past him. But he was a fringe Origin player who, you know, is probably one player away from having played quite a bit of Origin uh, a few years before that. He's the competition's leading scorer. He was a very good footballer. Uh, Greg Florimo went on the 94 Kangaroo Tour, a great Kangaroo Tour. So that, they had they had Fairley playing. They had Billy Moore playing. He was the best player in that Origin series we covered recently. Yeah. Um, Fairley was a Kangaroo. Uh, Gary Larson is a f- phenomenal representative player. And Iken played, you know, was a young guy coming through that played State of Origin. They had a really, really good side. Uh, and guys that didn't play rep football in there that were good players as well, like Butner. He's a good player. And uh, that's, a couple of yeah, really good players. Absolutely. Guys who were very good, who never necessarily played rep footy, but we remember as, like Michael Butner, for example, we remember as a really good player. Um, yeah. And that's reflected in the fact that they beat them both times through the year, 34-20 and 26-6. That, that, you know, Norths, uh, you know, had every reason to think they would they would be a, a big chance in the game. Uh, yeah, I, I just want to talk a little bit about the final system in the ARL. I know we have a bit of an obsession on this program with... Uh, finals systems and you know how they organize teams and formats and all of this uh, i just want to take you to the the 1997 system just for a minute if you'll indulge me um 12 teams in the arl seven teams in the finals so more than half the teams qualified for the semis um a top seven 
Manly, Newcastle, Parramatta, North, Sydney City, Illawarra, and the Gold Coast, right? Now, week one of the finals, Gold Coast versus Illawarra, that's the only knockout game in the first week of the finals. Gold Coast 25, Illawarra 14, right? So Gold Coast go through to the next round, Illawarra are gone. Sydney City versus North, so that's fourth versus fifth. But at the Roosters' home ground, North's led 14-2, by the way, in this game. Ended up getting sent to extra time at 15 all and lost 33-21. <laughs> what, what, what on earth? It, I tell you what, if we can, I would love to find that game, can I say, Gazzy? Because mm, the yeah. win cemetery the hell out of that. Yeah, sorry, Bears fans. <laughs> sorry, but I just... I mean, We've got to stop doing this to them. Do they win I mean, anything we can watch? Is there something they ever won? I just... <laughs> Poor Bess. I imagine imagine getting beat by twelve points after going to extra time. It's the it's full uh, full carriage. Yeah, yeah. full ninety eight. Uh, Newcastle played Parramatta. Knights were down eighteen nil. Everybody knows down eighteen nil. Came back and won twenty eight twenty, and that's the first week of the finals done. Right. So then they go to week two. The Roosters play the Gold Coast. That's to get into the preliminary final. Right. Sydney City. Sydney City play. Yes, right. So the Roosters play the Gold Coast. Norths play Parramatta. That's for a spot in the preliminary final. Manly, who've had the week off, play Newcastle. But both of them are already going through to the preliminary final. Whatever I, happens in the game. Uh, I just can't. I, I hate this. It's these propeller heads that come up with these systems. Who wrote math, 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 Mathematical idiots come up with this stuff that are too smart for their own good. They come up with this absolute bogus rubbish. Like, uh, it, it, what really bothers me about this is during the game, the Knights go through this flat patch and Fatty makes the point that they look tired coming off such a tough game last week. And I nearly pull my hair out because you're going, it didn't matter if they won last week. They'd be playing in this game anyway. Like They right. already would have played a prelim. So why are they tired? They shouldn't have played anyone. They should have sent out the under-21s. Keep it, it's well, absolutely. Ridiculous. Keep in mind that the, res- the reward for losing that game, so they lost that game and had to play Norths. Yeah. Uh, if they'd have won that game, they'd have only had to play the Roosters who went to extra time against Norths. Like, it makes very little mm. difference. Because you're not just finished fifth, four, yeah, fifth, yeah. So it's just the fourth. That's right. What difference? Exactly right, Cassie. <laughs> I, I can't fathom it. So there were two games. There were two games to pick preliminary finalists, and one game. So the Knights, by virtue of winning in week one, were automatically through to the prelim, and Manly, by mm. virtue of finishing first, were already through to the prelim, but still had to play a game for no clear reason in week two of the finals. And the Chargers finished seventh and, you know, win one game and are a game away from the prelim. Like the whole yes. system just seems, I know this, it only goes for so many weeks, but fancy coming seventh in a 12-10 comp, winning one game against what, sixth? They beat against sixth. Six. Yeah, they beat sixth. So, so seventh plays sixth and all of a sudden are one game away from playing in the prelim. It doesn't make any sense. It's so seven plays you know, six and is straight away mm. as good a chance, after that is as yeah. good a chance of making the prelim as fourth. Yeah, that's the point. It's not that they... I know that you only have to play a certain amount of games to get in a prelim, but yeah, that's the point that by winning one game from seventh, you're all of a sudden basically in the same position as, as teams right up the table that yeah. have flogged you all season. It's unbelievable. It's I've so never seen anything like... Who... And the other thing, 26,000 people turned out to see the Knights play Manly in week two of the finals in a meaningless game that was purely... Including me. Right. <laughs> that was purely to determine who would, fin- who would play Norths and who would play the Roosters. 
Yeah. Did they well, know that yet? Who played first? That's a good question. Like, did we? Uh, was that, that decided? That was, and that was the last yeah. game. Yeah. So we knew who we'd be playing. Okay. If yeah, depending yeah. on the result. Now. Yeah. That's a bigger crowd than turnout for the preliminary final. That's very funny. Really. So, so more people. So they got twenty six and a half thousand of that game. They only get twenty two and a half thousand for the preliminary final between Norths and the Knights to decide who makes the grand final. That's just absurd, isn't it? It's um. If anyone ever really wants hard, to talk to you about uh, rational markets and the, like rational markets and people acting based on reasonable assumptions, wrong. This is it's discredited. Well, it's just it's very difficult to not sympathise with the concept of a super league after you talking me through that final series. Like they're talking through the system they've come up with. It's very difficult to to come up with a reason why someone else shouldn't run the sports. It's just like. like <laughs> Mind you, they get back together with the Super League and come up with a ten-team system. Well, that's this, so, and then, know, it, it's yeah, but it's hard. To, it's hard to sympathise with the people running the sport, and this is what they came up with as a way to determine the winner of the competition. Yeah, no? I think that's entirely fair. I just, I've never seen anything like it. Three games in each of the first two weeks, and at least one. You know, I can't fathom it. No. it it's really bothered me. As you as you will tell, listeners at home will say, "Jesus, sound really aggravated about this." Mm. But, uh, yeah, there's no rational basis. No, not at all. But anyway, it event it, it eventually gets to the point where the Knights play North, and the winner goes into the grand final. Um, and we'll, we'll get into the game now. I guess it, um, I was very pleased to see Kelvin Jeffs refereeing this game. Um, mm. I he's always been a favourite of mine, um, and, but but I don't remember. You know, it was good to be reminded of the unique Jeff's magic um, that, that charmed the league during this period. Uh, you've got to remember that most of the actually top line referees went to Super League because Super League decided to pay them properly. So there weren't, there weren't a lot left at this point. Um, mm. I, th- I think we'll get into um, some of the things about this game that might've reflected the fact that some of the best referees were refereeing another competition. Um, but yeah, it was just good to see Kelvin Jeffs again and be reminded of uh, of, of why he was so beloved. Um, the, the, anyway, I, the first couple of minutes of this game, Gazzy, are very tough, aren't they? Well, yeah, it starts from the kickoff. So Mark Glamble brings the kickoff back and uh, fully Tim Grant of Seven Receivers, uh, one of the North defenders, like just the bumping bumps the guy fully to the deck, like the really theatrical run back, drop the shoulder and, and clobber the defender to the ground sort of stuff, like Grant, Grant yeah. Seven Receiver in Origin stuff. It was fantastically hard. Um, it's Danny it Williams was, it was, he knocks over. I just want to note that it was Williams. Danny Williams. Yeah, yeah. North, North's had Danny Williams and Josh Stewart in the same side. Yeah. And I just think that's a really admirable kind of policy of having two certified maniacs on the field at the same time in a big game like this. What's the sport for it? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was a tough start. It, one of the funny things is that as soon as they run on, you, you look at the team list when they go out. Jeez, Newcastle had some backs, didn't they? Because you look at the side, they run out Robbie O with Darren Albert and um, McDougal on the wings and then Mark Hughes playing in the centres. Um, Who's the other? Oh, and Craigie. Oh, and Craigie, oh, Craigie yeah. playing in the centres. So, but but they've got Jason Moody un, um, unused on the bench in full kit, ready to come on, and Matt Gidley injured out of the broken leg. Yeah. And like Jason Moody plays state of origin football in the late yeah. late nineties, um, and 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 like Matt Gidley is one of you know the sort of centres of the decade in, yeah. in his career. He was in the top handful of centres for nearly every year that he ever played, and like the backline is incredible with Moody sitting in his you know. 
unused clothes and, and kids watching on crutches. It's incredible depth they ended up with in the yeah. so that, that sort of thing could happen back then when you had, um, you know, a lot of your local juniors just stayed with you. It wasn't as competitive to, to sign players to other places. And it, you wouldn't see that now. Like, you wouldn't see Jason Moody not getting a game. He's a really good footballer. And, and he played that year. He's got a lot of tries and played really and, well. And, and, and agents get players to where they'll get a game very early. You know, like, yeah. you don't, you wouldn't, the, an agent would not allow a guy now to be on the, be on the extended no. bench, you know, for a full season when he was, when he was going to be good, you know, Matt, yeah. Yeah. They, they just but, wouldn't no. have had, they wouldn't have been able to keep all those guys. No, you're right. But yeah, look, as you said, it's a really tough couple of opening minutes. Uh, the Knights forward pack, I was um, really impressed with all game. Um, Chief and Butts. So Adam Muir is becoming underrated by history. He was just a very, very good back rower, a mix of hardness, toughness and, and ability. Like he ran a line, had an offload. He was really aggressive in this game and a real difference maker out there. Um, another thing in those first few minutes you notice really quickly is, you know, if you watch this game back, people might not understand the significance of Phil Gould commentating. Phil yes. Gould is the coach of the team playing in the other preliminary final the next day. Yes. And it's just very difficult to imagine, for instance, Trent Robinson now calling right. the Saturday night prelim with the Roosters playing. Yeah. The Roosters are playing the prelim against Melbourne on the Sunday. It's very difficult to see him calling the Raiders preliminary I, final the night before. I couldn't yeah. believe that. It's funny, listening to Gus in the late 90s, he's a totally different animal. There's a, there's a, he's, a, he's a much more um, he's much more humble and softly spoken. He kind of just puts across his opinions in a very neutral, objective, kind of reasoned fashion. He doesn't do quite so much yeah. browbeating as he does now. No, well, Gus is one of the great football minds that have ever been involved in the game. He's extremely intelligent, extremely um, knows so much about football. And when he came through, that's what he used to convey. And over time, like his arrogance and his place in the game and how big he actually thinks he is and how big his head is. And, you know, he just... And a lot of this was through this period. He made millions of dollars in the Super League war as an ARL sort of kingmaker and stuff. He went from a coach who won a few comps to this kingmaker and signing the whole competition. And he really got so big for himself and so full of himself that his great contributions he can make to the game, get a bit blustered now underneath the arrogance. And, all the no, no, like, no, the no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. Like, it, it. It's all still there, but it's, it's delivered now in such an arrogant sort of way that you can't really cop him. But back then what you get is that pure football opinion, which is fantastic and you've got yeah. a lot to offer like that. I really wish he had a state of coach, like just yeah. being a coach and done the old game. I think that he was a really, really good football coach and a really good... Um, commentator, and if he hadn't have become this big king-making figure in the sport, I think we might have been a lot better for it. Yeah, well, he was a he was a tremendous mm. coach. He got a great record, um, rep football, to, you know, grand finals, all of that. Yeah, um, very early in the game, there is a, just a little bit of a sign that the North Sydney, um, or a couple of signs that North Sydney's leading point scorer. Um, and 75 to 85% goal kicker, Jason Taylor, might not be having the best day. Um, they get a penalty early on after a bit of a half break from Matt Sears. Taylor has a kick from 35 out, penalty goal, uh, misses. Very you in know, front. From in, in front, front, yeah. Um, and then in the seventh minute, incredible. Um, I'm sure you've got some thoughts on this. The Knights get up there. Uh, up the Bears end of the field. Joey Johns puts a grubber in on last. Jason Taylor falls on it. Seems to defuse the situation. And then, in a series of events which would confound Isaac Newton, 
and Albert Einstein, the ball just spews out. He falls on the ball and somehow it slips out from under his body and is pushed about five yards away. And Robbie O. Davis picks it up with a fumble and all. I have less thoughts than you think about this because I'm just really baffled. Um, I, I watch at least sort of three to four games of football a week and I've yep. done that since at least, you know, since I was an adult. When I was a kid, I watched everything that was on free-to-air. So I'd probably watch, say, thousands of games and I've never seen this happen before or after. Um, the best way I can describe it, if someone hasn't seen it, is it's like a bar of soap. So yep. he doesn't fumble it on the ground. He gets it dives on it and it's like he's you know like he's trying to get the soap he squeezed it so tight like pop out it goes and zooming out it's like he squeezed the soap too tight it's gone flying out backwards spewed out about five meters and Robbie O really you never see this because Robbie O chases a kick and he because Jason Taylor intercepts the kick he's past Jason Taylor. So he's on the try line side of Taylor. And when Taylor pops it out like a bar of soap, he's standing behind Jason Taylor. <laughs> just drops near him. And he just picks it up and puts it down over the try line. Yeah. Um, unleashing at that moment, one of the truly great, uh, the, the sort of surfboard dancing try routine that I, as a child, knocked out for the next 15 years. Likewise. Yeah. yeah. He had, yeah. I used to, um, I used to do it as well. With the, and, and then, he then added in the grand final, the big Elvis whirring of the arm. Yeah. Which, yeah. 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 I can, I mean, I'm sure you can still do it. I know I certainly still can. Um, I've done it at the, the pub a few times now here and there. Yeah. No, it was good to see that. And it was also good to see Fatty saying, he's doing the dance. he yeah. <laughs> Which sort of, <laughs> that, man. I mean, it doesn't mean anything. It's he's just, just a great man. I, yeah. I just I, every time we get Fatty, I'm just happy. He's a yeah. wonderful commentator. He really is. It's just mad. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, Johns converts six nil Knights, and they've just had a bit of luck. There's no sign that that was coming. They just happen to be down there. Something weird happens, and they score. Mm. Um, Nothing to do with them. Yeah. Now there are a couple of incidents when uh, involving Andrew Johns, and we'll we'll talk a bit more about him later on, but. In the first half, he does a number of things that are just totally bizarre and off message. Mm. And one of them is a couple of minutes after this, he is tackled about a yard out on the left-hand side of the field and attempts or appears to attempt the old-style tap and go again. Yeah. And then falls over the line. And Andrew Voss accuses the referee of forgetting that that's no longer a rule. Yeah, tries to play the ball forward. It does look yeah. like he tries to do that. When did they bring that rule out? I can't find when it went. No, I'm not sure, but yeah, it, must have been re- it must have been reasonably... Uh, it wouldn't have been that long before that. Hmm. Sometime in the yeah. 90s, I think, yeah. If it's anyone at home inexcus- knows that. Yeah. It's an ex- inexcusable thing to forget. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't do that, because he just turns the ball over on the try line. It's He's bizarre. a metre out from scoring, and he plays the ball forward to himself. And there's two markers anyway, because they're on the try line. Yeah. So there's like, they're all markers. They're all, it's like you're too many. I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand. Um, a couple of, a couple of commentary moments. Uh, Vossi says, if you're tipping with your heart, it's no, it's hard to know who support, which is funny, isn't it? You know, everybody remembers this Knight's fairy tale, but this could just easily, just as easily have been a bear's fairy tale, right? That they finally, after they, they hadn't won the comp since 1922, they'd made the prelim final three times in a row. This could have been their fairy tale. It would have been, just as dramatic and sensational if they'd have then gone on and won the grand final? Well, no one hates the Bears. No. No one hates the Bears. No, my father, no one gets hate, my father the hates bears, the Bears. My, my old man Does hates he? them. Yeah, yeah. Hates the Bears and thinks that, that the comp's better off without them. 
and gets what it takes, I don't know. It's baffling to me. But takes real umbrage at my constant Bears advocacy. So no, they're hopeless. They're no good players. They're never any good. They're a joke. They should, they're lucky the league did well to get rid of them. Yeah. And they made four prelims in the last sort of how many seven years I, that they played. You know, I, it was the last nine years by the time they went out. But yeah, I can't. I can't. A lot claim, of good players. I can't claim to understand Gazzy, but he's mm. the only person I've ever heard demonstrate malice towards the North Sydney Bears. Yeah, well, I mean, moving from him, I think then that 99.9% of the population holds no malice towards the Bears. It's very difficult to want them to lose. I mean, I don't want them to lose watching it as a night. So I sort of go, I want us to win, but I don't really like, I'm watching them now and I go, oh, it's this shit that they lost, isn't it? Yeah, like, it is. Totally. It's, you can't get any joy out of them being beat. Like if you beat the Roosters or Manly, you can get a real joy out of seeing them piss off. <laughs> it's yeah, something like, totally. bugger off. It's really nice, but you can't, you don't get any joy out of seeing Billy Moore shattered on the, on the field with Gary Larson. It's just uh-huh. like, it, you know. It's just it's, kind um, of sad, isn't it? You feel, like yeah. you've killed, you feel like you've killed Bambi a little bit. Yeah, um, that's right. Uh, Gus helpfully says that very early in the game, after about 15 minutes, says the Bears would like to be next to score. Six nil down. I like the idea of I, they'd like to be next to score. Has there ever been a team? Has there ever been a time in history, um, really, in any sport where scoring next would not be of benefit? No, it is very early. I'm glad you said you mentioned it because it saves me doing it. That was stunningly early. He goes back to the well a few times in the game, yeah. but that's one of the, the earlier calls of like wanting to be next to score that I've heard. Six nil, fifteen minutes into a game. Yeah. Um, you know, to give them a lot of confidence to score next. Yeah, well, it would in a game that you is literally live or die. You sort of would rather be six all and twelve nil. Again, it's a like, eminently reasonable position. Apart from <laughs> apart from the Matt Dunning field goal, which cost the Waratahs in the Super Twelve the chance of making the finals, I don't think there's ever been a score that was unhelpful to your team. Um, I just saw. I, I mean, what about that, Terry Lamb's field goal from twelve ten against? True. The there you go. Yeah, that's not a bad shout. I'm happy to hear any further views on that from, from listeners. If you can remember a time where someone scored and it, it was to their detriment, uh, do let us know. Um, they do actually score next in a roundabout way. They kick two penalty goals, uh, one after a bust from Danny Williams uh, in the 15th minute, and then another one shortly after, after about 22 minutes. The, at that point, after a quarter of the game, the Bears have had seven penalties to one. But every time they get down the night's end, they take a shot at goal. Yeah, it's obviously a strategy. Um, they did so. Now that we've watched games from that that era a little bit, they, they, teams did kick for goal more than I remember them doing. Yeah. I don't have a concept of remembering how often this happened, but you know, um, it in a way it makes sense because if they had kicked the goals on the tries they scored, they would have won the game. So um, you know, it's I can see where they're coming from. It's probably a bit of a show to the fact that they were getting beaten up a bit. I think the Knights were beating them up in the middle of the field. Yeah. And, and lapsing a bit with their own defence. But the Knights were on top of them. They were making more metres. Joey was kicking them to death. He really kicked the hell out of them for Didn't periods of that game. Both of the Johns yeah, just um, in the game. Oh, it was... I don't want to wax on too much about him because we'll be here for four hours, but his kicking game was so good. And, and he shanks one. But it, it's this... There's this thing in the game at the moment with their, they, they call it percentage kicking and they'd all rather kick end-to-end, like the kick at the end of the football, to landed on the 30 rather than risk a torpedo because you can shank it. But yeah. Joey torpedoes 15 of them, and we saw it in that origin as well. And he shanks one or two, but the 13 that he doesn't shank land on the five-metre line or in the in goal. So, like, what you do is you get 15 sets of the game where 13 of them, you've pinned them on the try line, and one you bugger up and have to defend because you kicked it out in the full or you've shanked it. Whereas in this game, they'd rather kick 30 less metres 
15 times and have the team in the middle of the field and get no real advantage out of it. And I don't see why that's a percentage play. Like if you can learn and practice it, because he's just kicking him to death in a way that nobody tries. Nobody is doing something that's better than all of them are doing today. Why don't they practice this? I don't he's know. not the only one. Ricky Stewart used to do it. He was phenomenal at it. Joey just was the guy who took it to another level. He sort of took what Ricky had learned and, and, and nailed it. And I don't get why nobody does this. He kicks it 20 metres further than anyone today can. Yeah, some what? of them. There's a couple of kicks in the first yeah. half that are just sensational, and and it, it it's reflected in the game because the Bears spent so much time in the game coming off their own line. Not, it's not even their own line. It's they spend so much time stuck between the ten and the thirty. You know, they just yep. can't get up the field because they're always getting turned around, pinned back. You know, um, mm. but on the subject of of uh, Joey, just a, a couple of things. Um, and a couple of other little Joey incidents. Uh, in between the two penalty goals, he, he Leon bots Matt Sears. Yeah, he does too. Um, yeah. If people aren't familiar with what I'm talking about there, uh, we'll post the video on the Facebook page through the week. But basically in playing for, I think, Warringah in the Sydney Shoot Shield competition, former Brisbane Broncos speedster Leon Bott just tackles a guy who's under a bomb for no reason about 15 minutes before the ball comes down. Uh, the player was Bob Hawke's grandson and ended up with a ruptured spleen. Mm. Andrew Johns yeah. sort of, yeah. Pretty much the same thing, except Joey Johns hitting with a lot less sort of speed than Liam Bott. Yeah. Thankfully. But he just kind of but, cannonballs Brad's, uh, Matt Sears off the ball for no reason. When that hasn't, the ball hasn't yeah. come down yet, he's trying to catch it and he just gets clobbered. Uh, and then shortly after that, the short dropout. He attempts a short dropout. <laughs> What's yeah. doing? At, yeah. So at 6-4, after 25 minutes in the preliminary final, the, the Bears for the first time in the game, or 6-2, sorry, the Bears for the first time in the game put, have them down that end of the field. They pin them in goal. The Knights have to drop it out. And Joey decides to grub a short dropout towards the touchline. And Adam McDougall decides to pick it up eight metres out to just grab it. It wouldn't have gone the 10 to his defence. It was going to go out. It was going to go out, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's a penalty and the Bears kick a goal to go 6-4. He's very, I, he's very loose, isn't he? <laughs> like, he's very yeah, good, but yeah. he's very he, mad. Like, Yeah. Well, the thing is, you can pick three bizarre things he did in that first half and he was still the best player on the field by yeah. 10 lengths of the straight. He... Um, I loved him when he was young. I, I, I respected and loved him when he was older, obviously, for, for the control and class he could have in a game. But when he was young, he was mad. And he was a mad... He's just this mad genius. There's no... Calves coming through today that, that you know, like you get... You get it's the wrong stuff that they like. Like you come through and oh, look how sensible Cleary is and how well he tackles and how drilled he is. They like that. We look at Joey. He had none of that. Like he, he's no. done the dumbest things on the field of anyone in the game, but he's genius. He just expresses himself and some of it doesn't work, but he's like enough of it does. He's just so dangerous. And he kicks on the third or second tackle three times, all of which are good, all work. He kicks like, three of the best kicks you've ever seen and then out in the fulls one go, like, yeah. trying to chop off too much. But this is, this is his football and he was good enough to back himself to take things on and it he, worked. It's, and it's funny, the reason, it? when you say, when you say, why did he drop kick that ball out the side? Well, it's the same fundamental question as why in the grand final with 
five seconds left and Matthew John set up for a field goal, does he go down the blind side exactly. and dummy and scoot it back and throw the ball back to the marker? He sees what he wants to see and he thinks he's good enough to do it. And most of the time he is. That's the reality. Yeah, that's right. That's, mm. that's it. But it's just, you, mm. there are a couple of moments in the game you just think, like, it's, it's, it's unrecognisable to any football you see now, uh, pretty much, apart from, apart from Benji Marshall, I suppose. Um, but There's a play earlier in that season while yeah. we're on that sort of play. He yeah. makes a play against the West Magpies where he taps, he, they get a penalty 15, 10 metres out. He taps the ball to himself. So he takes the quick tap, taps it, and chip kicks to Darren Albert. <laughs> like, so just the chip on. So he just, they get a six again and he taps it, kicks it, and Albert scores an inch within the corner. And can you just imagine now if A, you did it, and B, you didn't, they didn't score? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's and that's it. You're like, tearing your hair out. <laughs> and, and the trouble with it is that the. What's, I think what's happened in the 25 years since this game is that the, the kind of acceptance of risk has changed, right? So this sort of stuff now would be considered criminal. What are you doing? You're absolutely brain dead, you know what I mean? Sean Johnson kind of almost got, has, is, is considered a very fighty kind of like, you know, enjoyable but basically useless in any serious game player because he does stuff like this, right? Um, the, the the assessment of risk has totally changed so that this stuff is not worth it anymore. In that, in that day, it was like, oh, well, you know, that didn't work and it was a bit silly. Well, that's but the thing. Be another game. I don't like it. No. I don't like it. They'd rather... They'd because rather, of the percentages, like, right? Like, it's become about yeah. minimisation of risk and doing things you can repeat over and over again and just yeah, hope things you... you can... Yeah, you're right. But yeah. things you can do over and over again can be read. That's the it, thing. Is exactly. That if you want to only do the play that you don't throw that pass don't throw this long ball don't try that kick on the third tackle because what if it doesn't come off what you get is everyone doing the same thing and the defense is recognizing what you're doing good luck recognizing what joey was doing in this game but norse had no idea because he kicked on the second tackle then he threw it a four-man spiral pass on the second tackle next time he ran on the second tackle he does stuff based on what he sees and you can't read these things so yes some of it doesn't work but you actually get upside that you can't stop because they're doing stuff based on his skill set that will work sometimes and yeah. it will work and you can't stop it. You can't stop it because you don't know. You can't read this. It's not, oh, this guy's got the ball and if he does that, he's always going to throw this short pass. That's the play that all the hearts run or he's going to throw the block play. But you're going to do this. Nowadays, we all know what everyone's going to do. You can sort of pick patterns in games all the time. Yeah, you that's can see which way the ball's going. You can see how, how they think they're going to score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But there's a good example of this in after half an hour where um, – he kick, he chips his 10 out and he dinks this chip over towards the posts, chases through, and Matt Sears collars him, just kind of chucks the arm out and coat hangers him. Um, Sears chases back for the ball. Jason Taylor chases back for the ball from a different angle. They collide, Warren Gillespie in Gaul style, um, and the ball comes out and Billy Peden falls on it. Cessnock old firm, thanks very much. Uh, and the Knights are 10-4 in front. That was such a genius piece of football. That was so clever because he was going to score himself if Sears didn't clobber him. Um, it's just like 10 metres out, chip kick for yourself on, on tackle two or three because there was space. He saw Sears in the line. Like the fullback yeah. tackles him, stop him scoring. He knows it's on. He knows that he can land the kick where he wants to land the kick. He's not going to kick it dead. He's not going to kick it too short. He just knows like that he'll do it. And like, he might have kicked it dead, you know, in reality, but he in his head, that's not going to happen. It's on. Yeah. Like this play, like there's the fullbacks in the line. So you're going to kick like that's, um, and so he does kick. And 
oh, it's just genius. It's a shame that they Sears took him out because it would have been such a beautiful thing to see him score that try. But oh, that's his lovely, genius. Yeah. It was on, so he did it. And and it is hilarious in Blackpool. It's so bears because like <coughs> Matt Sears is desperate to save a try and he sprints back, having taken Joey out illegally because he's desperate to save a try, he sprints back, uses all his energy to run back anyway and try and get this ball. Jason Taylor uses all this energy and like commitment to get back to the ball. No one's bludging, no one's off. And then they just collide like a pair of bowling balls and just flip each other out. Sears dives low, Taylor stands upright and the slide takes Taylor out. They both fumble over and the next guy puts the ball down for the night. Like that's just the Bears because they yeah. didn't do anything wrong. They no. both busted their asses to get back and save each, it. Each of them individually yeah. has done the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's the combination of the two of them. Yeah. And yeah. it's kind of, um, yeah, that's it, isn't it? And Jason Taylor at this point has fumbled a ball for a try, collided with his fullback for another try and missed the goal from in front. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's, that's about right, isn't it? Unfortunately yeah. for him. And that's half an yeah. hour into the game. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, and it it's is, most of that is bad luck, right? Like it's not, you couldn't really blame him for the, yeah. the knock on, like the, the drop. You couldn't really blame him for this. It's only the goal kick. Yeah, you kick the goal. It's about, yeah, it's yeah. just a bit stiff, you know. Yeah, it's um, it's the thing with that kick as well is it's not to just keep blighting on about the modern game, but it's one Joey does bring up in commentary a lot, and he's dead right. Is that when we talk about the percentages and how people won't try stuff, everyone knows now that you don't kick before the last tackle, yeah. and fullbacks now defend in the line on the try line to give you a thirteen on thirteen scenario where there's no overlap. So every single team does this. You watch the try line. Teddy's on the try line. Ponga's on the try line. No one stands in the end goal, so they're not back. They all defend in the line on that five ten meters out situation. So what you've now got it's sort of a good example of what we said before. So teams know you won't kick. That's the reality. So the percentage yeah. play is not to give the opposition the ball back on tackle three. So no one kicks. So if someone would kick, your odds are getting it in there are very good. There's no one at home. So there's no one back there. So you could a big chance of scoring. If you don't score, you're probably going to get the ball back as long as you do the kick. And nobody expects you to kick so you don't get rushed. So, um, you know, Mitchell Pierce is a very bad kicker in that situation. And every dropout he gets now is when he does kick early. Because instead of getting rushed and having to put a kick in he's not good at, he gets all this time to nail it. But no one will do it. It's, yeah. it's that risk assessment going, well, we don't want to hand the ball over on tackle three, so we won't mm-hmm. kick. It's well, more cool, afraid but of, you won't score. You won't more, score. Yeah. That's the reality. Yeah. More it's, afraid of... Um, well, you're more afraid of what will go wrong than you are keen yeah. on what might go right. Yeah. That's exactly right. It's, um, and, and at that point, it's 12-4. John's kicks the goal and the Knights have had the better of the game and have made more metres, but the two tries have got very little to do with what they did right, as you mm. said. And then in the run into halftime, it looks like they're going to they're gonna run away. Like it, it, They've had a bit of luck, but it looks like now they're going to really finish them off. They have a very near miss uh, five minutes later. Brett Dallas bundled the ball dead. And then on the last play before halftime, they get a tap 30 out. They throw two huge spiral passes out wide and get tackled. And then off the... Mark Glanville attacks down the short side, gives it to Muir. They're five in from touch on the left-hand side, about 10 out from the try line. Then he gives it back to Glanville. Glanville gives it to Craigie. Craigie gives it to Johns. Johns gives it to Harrigan. Harrigan hits, turns, pops it out to Johns, who's wrapping around. He gives it to Hughes. Hughes turns it back inside. Oh, he turns it inside to Hughes. Hughes gets tackled, offloads it to our Davis, who drops it over the line in the tackle. Yeah, I wish they scored that. That was such a good... It's unbelievable football. Yeah. That was them. That was them. That's what you get when you got the Johns boys in the team at that age, at that, that time. They, they were just, they were, they were wild. 
they really were. They just played what was on. But it's not, there's no like, it's just pass and move. Just keep the ball going. Just keep it alive. Something will open up. And everybody's, yeah. it's not just the Johns, it's everybody. Like the Chiefs doing it, Mark Glanville, Stodgy Locks doing it. Like it's just, they yeah, were they, that, they, they played. That they was the kind of team they were. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they played they to Joey's on. personality. Yeah. Mm. They, they did. Um, and look, another thing about that is whilst they never played with a lot of structure, what they did do was understand they, they, a lot of those guys had good football sense. So, all right, they're not playing with this sort of rigid structure of a Melbourne, but they're not just standing on their heels. Like when Joey runs, Adam Muir runs at a hole and Joey might not give it to him, but he hammers at a hole that he sees and someone else, when Joey's got it, will be cutting back on the inside because they see something on there and they all move. In, in the right way into the right spaces with an idea of what they think's on and then give the player with the ball the option. That's yeah. it's body there's bodies in motion everywhere. What you see now of is a lot of hit up, hit up, hit up and then a play. The in one guy play, who thinks he's gonna get yeah. the ball runs, everybody else, yeah. Yep, yep. What what they all do is they all go, there might be something on here and use a bit of football sense to run where they think it might be on. And then that gives the guy with the ball the options to, to select things. And and Joey made a career out of that. He wanted guys to move and, and move around and let him have the options to pick what's on. And and all of those guys were really good at it. That it was um, it was a great side. Yeah, um, as important as he was, it was a great side anyway. Yeah, that's that's all fair. That they they knew the game and kind of played played to the opposition not to what they'd worked on through the week you know it's kind of which you, you don't see a lot of um Robbie davis was very underrated if we, we're talking oh, yeah. about him and he had a great game in this game i wasn't underrated at the time but he's dynamic he, like he's a real power yeah. packet isn't he uh, always he looks will, like breaking a tackle he i don't want to wax lyrical at knights fans there's these silly people in this poll the other year saying that Kalen pong is the best fullback the knights have had look he yeah. might be in 10 years that's a load of crap right now robbie o davis <laughs> you go back and watch these games robbie o davis is is is, is one of clive churchill medal he was one of the best players in the field in the preliminary final he's one of the best players in an origin series without the super league players that they pulled up and won he was one of the best players in 2001 he was such an important footballer yeah. he was dynamic he saves tries in this game his defense was so big when they were in trouble he scooted out a dummy half and was so brave going into big men and then he was just like you were going to say i think then he just cut people to shreds when it was on when he's, he was yeah. so dynamic and broken he, field Such he a was football. um I, I think you're right people kind of he got wedged a little bit because lockyer came on in the late 90s and so davis didn't play for australia as much as he possibly would have and, and there's always good players but lockyer was unusually good and mm. and better than him you know and so he bumped him out of the Queensland side, bumped him out of the Australian side, and and, and he didn't really play much rep footy after that. But geez, he, he's entitled to be remembered as a very good footballer, Robbie O. Yeah, um, and it's also because it's not his side. Like when you look yeah. back, you go Andrew Johns, Andrew Johns, and oh, the Johns boys. Robbie O. Davis was as important as Matthew is, um, yeah, as, he, if not more. Honestly, many, like he, he was that good. There's not many people at any. There's, there's not many footballers who've done who've had as much impact on a grand final as he's as he had the week after this, for example. Um, some kind of single-handedly turning the momentum through individual stuff. It, yeah. Um, at at halftime in this game, the Knights have had fifty-six percent of the ball, but I would say that it was a very strange game because it, it didn't really have a rhythm to it. There's no. It, it's. It's quite the Norths can't get into the Knights half and they haven't had a look at the line mm. and they're not kicking overly well and they're not really applying any pressure. But the Johnses and the Knights are just kind of freewheeling around. And even though the, there's a lot of danger, the tries are kind of quite, quite fluky, right? Yeah. Look, the Knights were the better team. Um, 
I, I think that that sort of reflected the Knights were on top in the game. Two reasons. Forward pack was, was running over them and Joey's kicking. Was, yeah. was pinning North there. And they are related, obviously, because if you pin a team in their end, it's a bit harder for their forward pack to, to start mobilising downfield when you're coming off your 10 metres with two runs from your backs um, to start your set. But those things, the, the Knights were really hitting hard in defence and Joey was kicking them to death. And Norse were really putting their gloves up and not letting the game get away from them. That's sort of that, this, the, the game. Um, it's probably a little bit like the Penrith one, to be honest with you. Yeah, it is um, actually. Yeah. It, it, they, they, were, they were outclassed, but they put their... The Penrith probably scores a better try than the Knights did, but um, they were a bit outgunned, but they weren't going away. That, that's yeah. the feel of it. Um, Can I just get a word from you? Yeah. I was just going to get a word from you before we get onto that very important yeah. issue. Can I just get a word on the Chief, who at halftime, they put the stats up, had made 11 hit-ups. I don't think anybody else had made more than about six or seven. Um, he makes a couple of absolute charges in this game and seems to be uh, just trying to trying to get them there on his own will, you know. He just is running harder than anyone else on the field. Yeah, he has a really good game, the Chief. Um, yeah, he makes 11 runs and six or seven tackles, so you tell yeah. you what he was out in the field to do, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Imagine making seven tackles now in the front row. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he... Look, the game... There's, there's things about the game today that are, are better than then and there's things that aren't. And one thing I lament um, a bit... And I try not to get two rows coloured because I do it a lot, but the old-style front rowers, I do miss them. You're enforcers. You're, you, these days, you've got these power athletes. And I, I liked the old-school run straight... Yeah. Front rower that tried to enforce the game where you yeah. got it and you ploughed into the defence and you ran it. Him and Spud and, and and Glenn Lazarus and those guys that just tried to. They were real nineties front rowers, weren't they? Yeah. Um, Web, Webke was like that, different build, but that Webke was probably one of the last great ones of, that had just that hard straight running. Yeah, um, front we're coming rower. for you. And, we're going to try and yeah, we're going to yep. yeah, yep. And and he was he did he, he enforced his will on it. Norse had David Fairley playing quite injured. He started off the bench with a bung ankle, and he was a kangaroo tourist and an origin. He was he's it's not as good player, remember, but he, he was as good, good as those guys. Yeah, like when people go like for instance, he has a much better rep career and a longer rep career than Mark Carroll, and everyone remembers Mark Carroll. David Fairley was a better player than him by any measure. You go look at his career; he's just better. He played more. He played for Australia in full strength teams and went on kangaroo tours over Spud Carroll. He played Origin over him. Um, but some guys just don't get remembered. They're not as memorable, you know, because Spub was loud and very good player, by the way. I'm, I'm just saying yeah. he's one of those guys that gets forgotten a bit by history. And he was a very good front rower. And him probably not playing much can't be overstated there because the Chief yeah. really got on top of them and he was sitting on the bench for the first half hour. Um, and I think then you want to talk about the incident, which you don't see watching the game, but which uh, probably changed the game to an extent at halftime. Well, Joey doesn't come back. Um, <laughs> Long yeah. story short, uh, Joey is, we haven't talked about it yet and we probably should have. Again, I'll try not to go on for too long about Joey. Joey's basically playing with busted rib. Um, he, he, got, he went down the week before. Jason Smith kneed him in the back when he scored a try that turned the Parramatta game. Um, come back from 18, nearly scores the key try to get us back in it. And Jason Smith gets him in the back and, and busts his ribs. Um, he's playing needled up. He, he's uncomfortable. He's been the best player on the field for 40 minutes. He's kicked him to death. He's made a couple of breaks with his running game. He's, you know, set up both yeah. tries, one of, one of which was good. And he's buggered. He's busted. He's such a tough footballer. Um, he tries to re-needle. Doesn't work. Can't come back. Um, yeah. You're at halftime. Not only does it not work. Mm. Uh, not only does it not work, it punctures his lung. No, I think that was oh, sorry, the week. Yeah. No, I think I've, I was reading about this last night. I read yeah. that 
that the the puncturing of the lung happened. He tried to get renal during okay. the prelim, and okay. which possibly explains why he comes back on with ten minutes to go or fifteen minutes to go, and then has to go back off again. So yeah. maybe well, yeah. I'll take your word on that one. I thought it was during the week. I was, but I might be wrong. Yeah. I haven't looked at it for a while. Yeah, mm. but regardless, it doesn't work. He can't come back, and it's very funny. Before we get into how that affects the game. He doesn't come on after the whole time. The the lack of hype about this yes. is astounding. So they get back and Bossy goes, oh, no Andrew Johns, and then just starts talking. And you go, hang on, <laughs> no Andrew Johns. Are we going to just drop that? <laughs> um, and then Fatty tosses out, they won't lose a great deal. And look, Leo Deneva was a very good player. But, um, yeah, they, they did lose a great deal. And I, that's the only time in history anyone would have said that. And... It's just quite stunning, isn't it? The lack of bite. I want you to imagine, just just, just sit down there now. You and I, right, are yep. watching a game today in, in a preliminary final. The Knights are up 12-4 and Andrew Johns doesn't come back after. It's unbelievable. Time. And it wouldn't matter who it was. Like if it was, if it was Nathan Cleary, if it was Penrith in the preliminary final and Nathan Cleary yeah. didn't come back on. Yeah. You know, like it would be a big, it would be a big deal. It would be yeah. a big story. It's a bit like the, we talked last week about the lack of hype about Ricky Stewart playing yeah, his first game for someone other than Canberra, you know? They just didn't seem to create these kind of... The game was enough. I didn't need to create these big overblown narratives about things. Um, yeah. Well, I would have needed to create it. Just, just imagine you and I sitting through this now. Like, we're watching. Oh, and Joey, Joey didn't come back after half time. Like, I'd be shaking in the fetal position. What about throwing the chat up? From, <laughs> there's chat from Gus that it might be tactically they might have one eye on the grand final, which is yeah. good. It was like it was 12-4. Yeah. And then he says... And he's almost the whole reason they're winning. Like, he's kicked, absolutely kicked them to death. And then he says, Norths might take it as an insult. Mm. They, like, he's, they've taken him off. Like, it's, they've taken him off because they think they've got it in the bag. Norths might fire up about this, which I just love the idea that you would take your halfback off at 12-4 in the preliminary final because you have got it, You reckon you've got it under control. Mm. Um, Especially for the injury he had. Like, he's got broken yeah. ribs. They're not getting better at this point. Like, you can't yeah. make them any worse. They're already bust. They're already broken. It's not, there's no yeah. suggestion that he can make this any worse. No, there's a lot of talk about whether he'll come back. And, but Blocker, in his halftime report, and I don't know if we've discussed this, but I love halftime reports because they are entirely pointless. Like what the, what the coach said at halftime. Everybody knows what's going right and what's going wrong. And it, I've never heard one that goes, oh, that's interesting. He says, so Vossi announces that Andrew Johns has gone off. And then Blocker says, yeah, the North coach wants him to attack Andrew Johns in this second half. <laughs> yeah, it's good that it's, it's sort good. of outdated quickly. It's just, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, they are good. Those halftime reports. What you usually get is, oh, you know, uh, the coach who's winning. Oh, he's really happy with how his team going. He just wants to see him control the ball, hold on to it in the second half, and really go on with this. And the coach behind is like, he wasn't happy with their defence there. He really wants them to put a bit more pre- <laughs> kick pressure of like every game ever. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's good that I, I just want to read. I, I found this article I was reading last night. It's actually in Men's yeah. Health magazine. Against all odds. Uh, he says, with broken ribs, I'd needed painkillers to play in the preliminary final the previous weekend. I'd come through the first half okay, but having cooled down in the dressing room at half time, I asked the doctor for a top up. The syringe went a little too deep and pricked my lung. Instantly, I lost my breath and became lightheaded. I went out for the second half, but didn't last long. I had no energy and couldn't run. And every time I breathed, there was this gargling sound in my chest. Um, it's an incredible thing to happen in the middle of a game. Mm, like yeah. it's an incredible thing yeah. to happen anyway but the idea that you would end up with a punctured lung mm. during a football match um it's crazy and he he doesn't come off he doesn't come straight on after half time but he does come on later um 
that, can I suggest occupational health and safety at this point? Yeah, there's a couple of things on that. A couple yeah. of things. Firstly, the, the doctor, um, the, doc, the doctor's my GP that I've still oh, seen now. Um, he's a, um, the, he had been with them since the beginning. So he'd been there yeah. the whole time and he's back with them now. So he'd been there all that time and apparently he was pretty shattered. Like, yeah. he's, you know, because it's, it's a, you imagine like being there, he's not some guy who's just come into the shed and just doing it. Like he'd been with the Knights all this time and you've pricked Andrew Johnson's lung in the On the biggest, on the biggest day yeah. you ever have. Yeah, yeah and, that's right. And, and Joey and says, he, um, he says he doesn't blame him. It's just, it's just one of those things. Yeah. Like there's nothing, you know. Yeah. yeah, like it's a risk of having that. It's like the, you go to surgery, there's a one in a hundred risk of something happen. Someone's the yeah. one in a hundred. Um, yeah. But the other thing that I was going to say uh, when you mentioned him coming on, because we're jumping ahead, he comes on very late. We're talking yeah. five, ten minutes left. Yeah. Um, just again, to go back to his toughness, you've, you've heard what's wrong with him. You've heard mm. the gargling sounds he shows. He comes on the field and he tackles David Fairley. Then um, he gets the second tackle on um, Danny Williams, and then he gets maybe Billy Moore. He goes one, 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 and he's screaming. He gets up off the ground, grabbing his chest and screaming and making this grimace of pain, and just keeps tackling these yeah. representative and hard running forwards on the field. And then he has to go off, which again they don't comment on. They don't realise no, they he's don't gone off. They keep going. Off. The Johns boys will line up a field goal. Joey's not on, yeah. but I just want to comment on the tough, like how actually hard that bloke is. Yeah, he's mad. Look, he was like that anyway, and, and you don't know how big an influence people have on him, but I really do think Mal Reilly was the perfect coach for that type because <laughs> yeah. you've got Matthew and Andrew who know halves combination. There's been halves combinations as good as them over the course of history, but no one has more flair. Someone yeah. might be, like, be as much, yeah. but no, no halves combo had more flair. And you see a lot of this, like, when you look through teams that come through, and the Tigers had that generation that were a bit soft where you've got you know, Moses coming through with Brooks and, and, and Teddy coming through at the same time. And you get these combos, you get Penrith coming through with your Cartwright, Cleary, Seguiaro, Moylan sorts of combos. You get these players that these young players come through together and it doesn't always kick on. And I think what Mal really probably bought was that these guys didn't need to be taught how to score footy. But if anyone was going to teach them how hard you need to be and how tough you need to be, yeah to win competitions and you don't win it by just doing this stuff. You've got to do the tackling. You've got to be that hard and you need your forward to pack to do what they're doing. It was probably him. I think he was probably perfect for them in that way because nobody needs to teach them how to score tries, but they did. Yeah. Everyone needs to be taught how, how hard you've got to be and how tough it is to win games. And yeah, that's, that's no probably one was harder than Mel really. No, um, and they are. They're a, as much as they're a, a side that hogs the ball around and does a lot of crazy stuff, they're also very hard. There's a lot of big collisions. They come up and yep. belt people in defence and all that. Yep. Um, all the forwards and the backs. The, the back, like Joey's hard. Robbie O just runs into places you yeah. shouldn't go at his side. The, the backs do that as well. Mark Hughes makes some dead set suicide runs in this game as a 19 year old. You know, got your body. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like a human goalpost, and it's just charging into Billy Moore yeah. and getting clobbered. And yeah. th- that these guys came through. That every one of them put their body on the line and played hard as well. Yeah, that's, yeah, you're right there. Um, we can we can rush forward a little bit now to about 20 to go. Apart from, I just want to mention, we talk about the standard of refereeing at Kelvin Jeffs. There is a try disallowed to Wayne Richards about 10 minutes into the second half. He Bullshit. strolls through, calls a forward, but they call forward pass. What do you mean forward pass? It was a mile Bullshit. backwards. That's one of the worst calls. Again, if we'd have been watching, let me tell you something, if you and I, had been, we're watching, if this happened now and Andrew Johns went off at half time in the preliminary final, 
And then that try, which would have put them, what, 14 clear, uh, was disallowed. We would have been in the fetal position. I'd have stormed the field. Yeah. I, <laughs> I just, it's, it's, terrible. It's, terrible. it's a terrible it's, call. Oh. There are a couple it does. Of bad, it's two metres backwards. There are a couple of really stinking calls in this game, and that is one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a lovely bit of football by Robbie O. That's a beautiful um, ball, yeah. It's funny. I, I mentioned before that he got pigeonholed a bit by having the Johnses, and this is one thing. He actually did have some good passing and could kick, and we saw him kick for Queensland a bit. He could kick and he could pass, but you didn't – with Matthew and Andrew, he sort of just did his running. But he had this in him. He could throw a pass for a try, mm. and, and it's a lovely bit of football. It's a good run by Wayne Richards too, but it, it's just backwards. It's not, it's not even borderline. It, it's a bizarre call. Terrible. It really is. And you're it's up 12 of, That's the game. That's the it's game. Another, it's, over. it's another one of these geriatric touchies. You got you mm. get touchy with touchy with white hair again. I don't mean to be ageist, but uh, this was a real era for that. You don't see it anymore. Can I ask, is it the same touchy just doing every it, game I, I think 15 years? He's yeah, just so. done every sideline game from 89 to, to 2000. Yeah. We need to get out of that era. They actually do make a very good call in a minute, which I'm going to come to. But the Bears, after that, so that's at 50 minutes. The Knights are still doing all the attacking. They still look most likely to score. The game is... No signs. No, no signs. signs. And then the Bears start after about with about 25 to go to maybe fire a couple of shots. There's a great um, legs tackle from Owen Craigie on David Fairley. Drags him down a yard out when he was looked nailed on to score. And then 20 minutes to go. Um, the game started to get a bit ragged. The Bears coming off their own line. Jason Taylor jumps out of dummy half. Gives it to Butner gets it back, and then finds Matt Sears, 30 out from his own line, who streaks away down the touchline, falls over, keeps going, and looks certain to score. Keep in mind, it's 12-4 at this point, and there's 20 to go, and the Knights are starting to look a bit ragged. And Matt Sears is off down the touchline, and he's going to score and make it 12-8 kick to come. Oh, yeah. Well, he, what happens he, next? And he doesn't. <laughs> Because Darren Albert, as Darren Albert comes from the other side of the field, he's playing on the right wing. Mm. Matt Sears breaks down the left wing, and Albert comes from the other side of the field. The amount of ground that he makes up, but Matt Sears was a rep fullback and was blisteringly quick. Matt Sears, Matt yeah. Sears just Matt Sears runs down Brett Mullins in the semi-finals two years before this. Mm. Mullins gets in the clear, and they say no one will catch him, and Brett. Uh, Sears, just you want to know how quick he was, he ran down Brett Mullins in open yeah, space in the he's final. blindingly quick. And mm. Albert is taking, a, is taking a step up every step. It's like he's running up and down on the spot, Sears. He just mm. swarms him. It's incredible. And, and bundles him into touch. Um, someone just, on the phone, two. just barely, yeah. And it's a great tall, great call by the touchy and the in-goal touchy. You know how much I love an in-goal touchy. Um, Me too. Yeah. And, and bundles him out. What a, there are a couple of things I love about this. One of them is that Sears, and I've watched this a few times over the years, <laughs> yeah. he, he's bundled out and they're ruling no try. And he gets up and throws the ball up in celebration. Yeah. They had to, yeah. Yeah. If, if, if you've got no video, ref, you really should. Like, you should you try it on, yeah. 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 yeah, you got it. Uh, he doesn't get it down at all. It doesn't even hit the ground, so there's no argument about it. But um, even, making it, the run, even making up the ground and getting to him, the tackle is still superb. 
with copybook that's how you, the, the legs tackle to a guy going over the, the sideline like around the hips to legs yeah sliding him out if he had to tackle him any other way he would have got the ball down yeah he, he would have still got it down at that pace um it's the single greatest chase in the history of the sport and it's the best try saving tackle that anyone has ever made um we had one during the week say compare it to scott sattler Mate, Scott Sattler chased down Todd Byrne. I could chase down Todd Byrne. Um, you know, like seriously, I could chase well, I him think, down now. I think the I fellow had three on, hamstrings. In, in fairness, my, um, yeah. yeah, I think the fa- in fairness, the bloke on the Facebook page did say, and I, I'll find this, but he he made yeah. the point that it was better than Sattler's. Oh yeah, and I'm not I'm not criticising, but it was compared to it, and that's one yeah. that if if I if people I'm criticising the, the response, but a lot of people will probably say that's the best tackle try saving tackle it's like the comparison is that todd but like scott sattler's tackle is incredible but he covers the defense he's got the angle and he runs him down through just and it's it's awesome this is the best try saver ever because it's on a genuine speedster who he mows down from the other side of the field there's no reason for him to be near this it's great that sattler got in that spot there's been other tackles where people have come across in cover like the fullback has covered but darren alvett's got no reason to be in the shot he's on the other wing and he tackles a guy on the other sideline from a 20 to 30 metres behind him against one of the quickest players in the game. There has been no tackle anyone has ever made. Here you go. Nobody else in the history of the sport would have tackled him. Ever. Like, no one else that's gets him. Yeah, that's an, that's car doesn't get him. car doesn't get him. No one gets him. No one is quicker than Darren Albert. This is your, this is your thesis that Darren Albert's the fastest man ever to play rugby league. Never uh, live. Never <laughs> You know, he, he, he ran, he sprinted around in 1999. They clocked him without shoes and he got past the Olympic qualifying time without go. shoes on the track. So without, and without doing sprint training while playing rugby league, he could have qualified for the Olympics. He's blinding. It's, quick. Quick. It's, it's, it, it's just the best of football, isn't it? When someone, yeah. a break and a chase and yeah. it's that basic who's quicker, who's stronger, who's going to, you know, that the, the, the Charge down the touchline. You can see the fans in the, on the in the front row of the grandstand chanting and waving and standing up. It's magnificent. It's just great. It's great. It's great spectacle. It's one of the reasons that I'm not at all keen on football being played behind closed doors because it just yeah. like that. Yeah, it, it's it has a bit more going for it than the Ashford Carney chase we watched the other week. For 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 <laughs> example, Sears and Albert. Yeah, yeah. It, um, it's just one, a wonderful one the, bit of theatre, and it's great. It's. I can't talk enough about it. I, no. Just not to get back on Darren Albert's pace, but what about Fossey after oh, witnessing it in the flesh? I knew witnessed it. it live. And he comes back with, oh, well, they say Shane Wirt's the fastest player in the game. Rubbish. What were you watching? And we've, we've got proof on this because the sprint off was run. Yeah, where it, where it wasn't in it. Where yeah, it wasn't yeah, in it. Because he, 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 wouldn't have, he didn't have the balls to run the sprint off. You know, like could, Darren you know, Albert could have, a 20, could have given him 20 metres in the gift and still run him down. The He's gift. the fastest man to ever live. He should have done. I would he should have, have done the see. gift, yeah. Well, in, in rugby union, Brian Habana once sprinted off against a leopard. Sorry, a cheetah. Yes. A cheetah versus Brian Habana over in there. Now, if Darren Albert had a run there, he would have lapped the cheetah and Brian Habana. I'll give you another one. I'll give you another, yeah. <laughs> I'll give you another one. Brett Dallas raced a thoroughbred at down the straight at Randwick. Jesus. Yeah. That's, I, uh, I didn't know about that. that. Who won? I don't know, but I remember seeing it. There was, they, they got a racehorse. I don't know who the horse was, but mm. they got a racehorse and Brett Dallas and raced him down the straight. I don't know. Yeah, Darren Albert would have won the Melbourne Cup. I love pointless races. You know, a great one. They did, um, <laughs> Darren Albert would have won the Melbourne Cup. They once did Michael Schumacher in his Ferrari versus a jet. Oh, along the runway at like Heathrow Airport or somewhere. Why? 
I don't know. Yeah. And the great well, thing do you think about, Albert would have beaten the Jet or Michael Schumacher? Or is that up so I think I think Michael Schumacher versus Darren Albert is probably the race that um, that would have decided. Like I think that's if you have the fastest man in the world in any. Mm. You know, I think it's Michael Schumacher, Darren Elman, possibly Donald Campbell in the Bluebird. That's about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think across, all across um, held at Lake Air. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jesus. That wouldn't <laughs> get a crowd. Wouldn't it just? It's a wonderful idea. Um, no, but you're right. It, it's stunning. It's just a, it's a, an incredible moment. It's, you know, Darren Albert is eventually, the, the idea that the same bloke who did this ends up scoring the match-winning try in the grand final a week later. Is It's just, it's unbelievable. Um, and I think it qualifies him. Now, I'm not, uh, I'm not an expert on uh, Catholic theology, but isn't it right that when Mary McKillop was made a saint, she, was, she qualified on the basis of two proven miracles? Mm. Is this yeah. your understanding? Yeah. Basic I'm, understanding. Yeah. yeah, I'm suggesting that this is the first proven Darren Albert miracle with the second one to come a week later. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. And then on that basis, I'm suggesting sainthood. Scone thoroughbred. Mm. ST, baby. Yeah. St. Darren Darren of Scone. I'm backing that. I'm backing that fairly hard. Uh, It'd be the first time you've been, you know, child you's been photographed with a saint. We might get that photo on the page during the week. That's true. Eight-year-old you with Darren Albert in a moon boot. That's Um, at the at the opening of the uh, at the opening of the East Cessna Bowling Club uh, indoor bowling green. Well, he's not the first saint to be there, is he? (laughs) Well, (laughs) right. There's a fair few. There's a fair few deities rolling around that place. Um, Anyway, the. There's another, there's another very funny Jason Taylor moment um, a couple of minutes after this where he just drops a ball, just goes through his hands. There's no clear reason why it happens and they, they fumble it. A Bears player comes from offside to pick the ball up and they just say, play on. Or they, they give the, the Knights the ball, but they don't blow a penalty. Um, that strikes me as a reasonably important moment that because it would have been a kick from in front from 30 out. Um, but then a couple, of moment, a couple of minutes later, finally the Bears, um, having fired a couple of shots finally get their try. Um, they spread the ball. Then Taylor, they're 35 out. Taylor gets it inside to Florimo. Florimo throws a wonderful overhead, double-handed offload. And then there's numbers. They get they go through four sets of hands and Nigel Roy scores out wide. Um, there would have been a sense after the Albert tackle that it wasn't going to be, the, it just wasn't going to be the day mm. for the Bears, right? And then somehow they make their charge. The Bears don't give up. We've seen enough of these games to know the Bears don't give the games up. Yeah. Um, they somehow always fall short, but not because they not because they ever stop. Um, it's a great piece of footy by Florimo. He's the sort of footballer we talked about in the clever locks. And he plays five eight and centre in this game, but big, that clever yeah, footballer. I, I'd forgotten how big he was. Like he's a, he's a he real was, shape. Yeah. He's a, yeah, he's got that yeah. real Brad Fittler body, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. Yeah. He's a similar player, um, obviously with, without Freddie's mercurialness. But they guys like that, those clever footballers, are a large part going in the game. It's a very athlete game now. We don't have guys who are just. You can chuck them at centre lock and 5'8", and they're just clever enough to do do it wherever. You know, like he was big enough to make tackles and run, and he was skillful enough to pop that sort of pass over and put guys in holes. And so it's a lovely bit of football. It's a great try. It's the best yeah. try in the game by considerable yeah. distance. It yeah. is. It's good. It's just good footy, isn't it? And the thing is that the game has kind of been ambling along, and the Knights, there's always a kind of expectation, oh, the Knights are going to win. The Bears can't quite, they just can't quite get enough attack together to win the game. They've had a couple of chances. It hasn't come off. Mm. And then all of a sudden, 15 to go, 12-8 kick to come, <laughs> you know? 
Um, a couple so of things. So you don't put someone away. Like well, exactly. And it's, it's, not, it's quite similar to the Tigers-Roosters game from 2010 mm. that we looked at a couple of weeks ago where they shouldn't be this close, but suddenly something, they make something happen to get a try and it's, it's on. Um, Leo, Leo Dinova attempts a trip on Nigel Roy as he scores. I'm glad you saw that. Sticks the boot out and Fatty spots it immediately and calls it out. Um, if that was today, I think you would have to say that there's not really any ambiguity. They would have to call it an eight-point try. Well, at least a penalty try. I well, oh, sorry, eight point try. Sorry. Eight point yeah, try. I'm like, confused. There. Yeah, the, they would did have he get to... make, make contact though? I couldn't say if he contacted him. Uh, it was an attempt. It, was an it depends attempt. if he got him. If he, sorry, yeah. uh, Mr. Ruler. If he got him, I couldn't quite tell if he touches him. He tries to trip him. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know if he why. contacts him. Yeah. Yeah, but if he doesn't get him, they probably don't. But uh, yeah, like not to jump ahead, but there's two moments here. So, um, Dinova tries a trip, a really blatant trip, and I reckon he missed. And maybe, yeah, they might have still given it now, but if he makes contact, it should have been an eight-point try then and now. And yeah. the next try, which we will get to, Robbie O'Davis literally haymakers. Yeah. Like, and misses him, like, with an absolute attempted dinner. Like, over knock his head, head off. Like yeah, stiff yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that misses. And keeping in mind that Jason Taylor misses most, both these goals, that if either of those get penalised or make contact, they've both tried to foul the try scorer. Yeah. And if either of them did manage to foul the try scorer, I think they missed through their own incompetence, not through, like, yeah, yeah. design, then the Knights don't play in the grand final because nope. Jason Taylor gets a kick in front of the post and he misses both of these from out the corner. Yeah. Not in the missed... corner, but out wide. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, Jason Taylor, you know, just 75% for the year, top point scorer, just sprays this kick horribly from the scrum line. You know, he's not, it's not all the way out on the wing. He's about 10 in, 15 in from touch, and he just sprays it. And, and Vossi on commentary says, I don't think he's hit a worse one all year. Um, and then a couple ever. of minutes. Probably ever. ever. Yeah, probably ever. And, the, and because of this, Andrew Johns comes back on. Because yeah. the Bears have scored, they throw him back on. And, and we talked about this, that he, he's in every tackle and he starts throwing himself into the game. And then the Bears boot the ball downfield and Adam McDougall, who's not really under any pressure, there's nobody around him, gets the fumbles in the in goal, turns it over and the Bears have their moment. There's five, six minutes to go and they're going to attack the Knights line at 12-8. And Vossi says there could be extra time here, but you're just just about back Jason Taylor. He hasn't had his best kicking day, but I've got a feeling if he gets another chance, he'll bang it over. Yeah, so shoot, you can see why he's still in the game commentating now with that sort of eye. Can't you? But, you, but you would. Like, he's right. Yeah, he's right. Um, it's a, I, I hope you've got a bit... Uh, I didn't write too much of it because I thought you would. Have you got something on the commentary when they do score? What they, uh, how, yeah, how, I do. How yeah, much yeah. they write at home? Yeah, so yeah. They, they, they end up scoring. I don't know if you want to run us through the try there, oh, but, but they, I think we should segue into this, like, how much they whip this goal up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so yeah. That, that's it. So the try is, is good footy. It, the, Knights, the Knights are quite obviously knackered at this point like because the Bears... They hit the wall. They yeah, really hit the wall, gone, the Knights. Yeah. But they lose their way a bit because Johns is off the field and they start doing a few dumb things and throwing a few stupid passes. Mm-hmm. And then they... They just they just run out of puff and the bears go wide. Florimo throws quite, holds it up, throws quite a nice ball, but nothing particularly special. Butner throws that. I love center tries. Can I say, I love tries on the edge where the center yeah. throws the big dummy and slices through when everybody's sliding. It's a beautiful. Yeah. I just find it very pleasant. Um, yeah, and Butner strolls over. Uh, O'Davis, as you say, tries to take his head off. Never mind whether the Knights would have played in the grand final. If he 
if he'd have hit him, he certainly wouldn't have because he would have got six weeks if he'd have hit him. He, like yeah. Butner would have been out cold, uh, if not at the morgue. And then it's 12 all. And Jason Taylor has a kick for goal from the same spot. He's on the scrum line again. He's right on the 20 mark. And Gus says, if you had to have one bloke kick a goal for you to put you into a grand final, you'd back it to be this bloke. And Vossi says, you think he'll kick it? He says, oh, he'll kick this. Yeah. He uh, hits it. To, in his defence, he hits it marginally closer to the goalpost than the last one because the last one nearly hits the corner pose. Yeah. And this one is about halfway to the sideline. Seriously. Like, it, it, he hits it that yeah. badly. But I, I was going to say, the miss before is such a bad one for your confidence because at this point, yeah, he missed a 35-metre penalty goal in the first half, but he's dinged two penalties since. Um, and all of a sudden... You know, so he's just thinking, I'm, I'm two from three. I'm not having that bad of a day. I just missed one. It happens. And the one he missed, he nearly hits the corner post. It'll be the worst kick he's ever hit. Like, he's on one side, yeah. near one sideline, halfway out. It's not a – neither of these are easy kicks, but they're kicks you expect Jason Taylor to kick in this game. That's why you have Jason Taylor. At least, and it's like Daryl Halligan, right? Like, yeah. in, in 91, they're not easy kicks, but you don't expect him to miss all of them. And that's why that's, you have him, yeah, to you have don't, this kick. You, don't, you, you like, get him to have this one. You don't That's even. The point. Yeah. He doesn't even have to kick all of them. Like Halligan gets no. a couple of penalties from midfield, yeah. from thirty out, and all this, and from not that wide, but a bit wide. Like you don't have to kick three from three from difficult-ish positions. You just need to kick one. Yeah. And that's right. And that's why I think the first of these two misses is so crucial because he hits yeah. it so bad. Like he doesn't yeah, yeah. just miss, and then you go right. Oh, I missed to the right. I'll adjust. He hits nearly to the sideline. And I just think it shook him. He comes back to the second one and goes, I'm, I'm stuffing this up. I'm missing yeah. him. And that's why you have these guys. Is You have these kickers where you go, these guys are the ones with five minutes left that you want to hit the ball. That's when you need them. And North had two of the best guys you could have in the era in two preliminary finals, and they both duffed it back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poor and like, statistically, statistically, there is nobody else in the game. Gus is right. Like, if you could have anyone mm. taking this kick, he's the guy. Like, he, he's the best mm. kicker in the game. Um, you, you would have much preferred him to anyone on the night side, for example. Andrew Johns, for example, wasn't, wasn't a world-beating goal kicker at this point. Um, but he just, he just misses. He just, it, there's no... This should have there's been no, their moment. Like, this... It, yeah. they'd, they'd missed it three times in a row. Like, they'd missed... They'd lost three prelims. This was the moment. It, for in that 10 minutes, everything goes their way. They get every chance they need. And it just doesn't happen. It's literally everything goes their way. Like, the best player on the Knights team punctures his lung with a needle at half yeah. time. That is why they don't lose. Like, to be frank about it, that's how they manage to turn the game, is that they just they get more chances in the second half with Joey off. The Knights don't put them away. Then they get their 10 minutes. They take advantage of it through their own skill. Like they can, yeah. When they get their chance, they go bang, bang. The game turns on them. If that game had been played for 200 minutes, the Knights would have won. But the, the point was they stayed close enough to near enough the end and had their run at the right time and they were going to sneak home. And you know what I mean? Like they, yeah. they were going to be winning at the right time. So and if you kept playing, the Knights would have been in front for longer. If you played for five days, the Knights would be in front for four. But they were going to, they got the momentum at the right time. They took advantage of it. They were going to be in front. They got the kick. And you just can't overestimate the mental side of football because you can't, there's no stat that can measure this. But you talk about oh. Joey, right? And he was a terrible goal kicker at the early in his career. He, he learned it as his career went on. Yeah. Joey wouldn't have missed that. You can't you just, put these in the numbers. He wouldn't have missed it. And, you just think and, he would have kicked it, right? Like, he just... Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that kick, he would have kicked that one. And 
he, he over a year Jason Taylor kicks more goals, but there's this guys and they you you know you rip, like I don't want to bring it but talk about that game, but like when the Knights played the Dogs and has them kick on from the sideline, mm. he was never going to miss it. It never occurred yeah. to me. There's guys that yeah. don't miss him, and he was the best goal kicker anyway. But I mean, there's just guys you know are going to nail it when they yeah. have to nail it, and you can't. There's no stat for this. There's no well, he hits nine out of ten. You know, there's just always moments no, in games. Just, there's a bit that, of, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Like Shane Warne with the last balls of the day or when they just need a wicket. Like there's just guys that just yeah. do it when it needs to be done and you can't possibly put your finger on why. There's no reason for it. No, that's right. It's, it's, it's pressure stunning. and liking it's, pressure and enjoying being in that or wanting the ball in that moment. I, I don't yeah. know. I, I don't know what it is. I'm not someone yeah. who, who does well in those no, life but, moments myself. But, it, but the know. ego and all that, like Jason Taylor in the course of this day has fallen on a ball which pops out in a way that nobody has ever seen before or since to lead to a try. He's taken out his fullback, saving a try. Mm. He's missed a kick. He's dropped the ball. He's done all of this. And then he ends up with those two chances to send Norths into the into the grand final, and he just misses, and he just has he, he just has his bad day on the worst day, right? It's so like '91 and that major mm. semi against Penrith, because they have a mix of extraordinary good luck, just like Halligan's intercept off Zureb and all of this. They have this unbelievable good luck, and then unbelievable bad luck, and unbelievable yeah. kind of uh, occurrences that would never happen at any other time. Yeah. yeah, and so it's then twelve all. Even after that, they, you, I don't know about you, but like twelve all the way they're going, you probably still back them. The Knights don't look like they're doing anything. They're gone, like they're just gone. Yeah. But they somehow Andrew Johns goes back off after this. So having come on for the rescue mission at twelve eight, he then goes off because he can't breathe. He didn't um, touch the ball when, when he went on the. He made tackles, but he never touched the ball in attack. He yeah. was that gone. He couldn't. Couldn't run the play. You yeah. only tackle. Yeah. Yeah. And then somehow the Knights, a couple of plays, like a couple of sets later with two minutes left, they just get themselves to the 30. Adam McDougall makes a really big run out of dummy half. It goes through a couple of sets of hands. And Matthew is in position 30 and a bit out. It just nails the field goal. Clutch, isn't it? It's um, a stunning We're talking kick. about, yeah, he was very good at them. Um, he just bangs it. Like it yeah. I've heard them talk. They said that when they used to train as kids, Joey was a better goal kicker. So all the way through that in their 20s, Joey used to, that when they finished training, Joey kicked goals and Maddie kicked field goals. Like they're just standing yeah. in practice and one of them kicked field goals and he'd say, I'll always take the field goal and you're the goal kicker. So they just nail that. And he was one of the best. He, he, there's, you know, in my time of watching football, he was one of the most consistently good hitters of the ball. Like it, all the strikes were good. You yeah. always hit him, but you know, you'd see a lot of shanks from a lot of people. He would hit, 10 field goals, nine of them were that straight as a die, beautiful strike, and you give yourself yeah. a chance, and he just nails it. And it's, it's the direct opposite of what just happened it's at the just, other end. Yeah, it's a belter. Knights fans, and a lot of, you know, there's a lot of biased Knights fans out there, and there's a lot of really, obviously, pro Johns Knights fans out there, and I, I, I love Matthew to death. Let me tell you something. Like Jason Taylor was probably a better player than Matt Johns. Yeah, probably like, quite seriously, too, he had a balance, really good yeah. career. Yeah. A really good career as the lead player of his own team. Um, Maddie Matty Johns played a lot of his rep football during the Super League um, split, and Jason Taylor, oh, admittedly, was playing football then, but he he had his best years a little bit earlier. Like he was just behind Ricky in yeah. you know before 93, the 94 and all yeah, that yeah. yeah that's right and he honestly had a really good career and he made a lot of prelims a lot of stuff as with him as the main man yeah. but it's just one of those things again to go that you can't put 
you can't measure this mental side of football, but you get in this situation and he nearly hits the sideline with goals and Matthew just hits it perfectly. Yeah. And they wouldn't have won this in extra time, I don't think. <laughs> it's I think hard they were to in too much trouble. They looked gone. Uh, yeah. They looked in trouble and Matthew has gone bang and just nailed his moment. And that's how careers are made. And those sorts of moments are why, objectively, you now look back and people would think I was a bit silly to say Jason Taylor was better than, than yeah. Matthew Johns because we measure people by these moments. They get into big games and what they do defines their career. And it's, that's why Sean Johnson won't be talked about like Benji Marshall. He didn't win a grand final. He had all the bag of tricks, but they didn't pull them out yeah. in, in these sorts of scenarios. And that's what happened to Jason Taylor a little bit, I think, here. It, yeah. And it's hurt his legacy. He's not remembered as how good of a player he was. Yeah, that's that's all fair. I, I just it's just a beautiful it's just a beautiful hit under pressure. There's no real build up for it. They they're not in field goal range until the last play, so it's not they haven't been building for it. He hasn't been getting himself in position. He's deep, but not that deep. Like 30, 35 out too. It's not yeah. a twenty meters. No, it's, over, you've so got much. to hit it well. Um, he's not under a huge amount of pressure. The Bears don't quite think. I don't think they think the field goal's coming, so they don't get off the line. There's one shooter who comes out late, but. Yeah, I think everyone's pretty tired at this point. They just both can't sides quite get off gone. the line. Yeah. There's a lot of fatigue in the game. Both sides were really out in their feet. I think that that really yeah, gave him the opportunity. And then, so the Bears have to kick off at 13-12 with about 90 seconds to go. They kick off and someone, I, can't, I couldn't get the number of who it was, one of the Bears defenders absolutely charges down to chase the kickoff. And Tony Butterfield is right under his own posts on his own line and has to step past someone. Showing way too calmly, he lets it bounce about three times yeah. and nearly gets pinned in the in goal. Yeah, yeah. I wonder yeah. if the short dropout was on. You reckon? Like, if, <laughs> well, you would have thought so. Like he, did, he very nearly gets. That's right. He very nearly gets pinned in the in goal, and but somehow steps past someone and gets. Who past a shexy? It's remarkable. Beautiful. It's a stunning never, step. I've never I seen him do it before or since. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They send it downfield, and then the Bears kind of in the last seconds of the game throwing it around like mad. And this, what happens in the last 10 seconds of this game is the most inexplicably dumb piece of football I have ever seen from any player at any level of any sport. I, mm. with, I say that without fear of contradiction. The, it's worse than anything Paul Carriage did, I'm suggesting. Mm. Worse than, probably worse than anything Anthony Jureb did. It's, Arguably. It's mm. worse than all of them. And, it, and they get away with it. <laughs> the Knights, the, the Bears chuck it out wide. Butner gets the ball on about the 40 and tries this chip kick for some reason because it's the last play. Chips it straight to the Chief. They're all the it Chief. doesn't get over shoulder height. Yeah, like it's just, it's a terrible shank chip. Yeah. Terrible chi- kick. Worst I've ever seen. The, hits the Chief on the chest, right? He goes, all he has to do is hold on to the ball and the game is over. It's 13 12. They're in front. There's 10 seconds left, if that. All he has to do, he can run into touch. He can boot the ball over the sideline. He can just get tackled, whatever he wants. Instead, he goes charging off up the field, gets to the 20, gets tackled, and throws the offload to Leo Dinova, who then, without even looking, throws it over his shoulder blind to Owen Craigie, who skips and jumps and dives and falls over the line and scores. And the Knights win 17-12 instead of 13-12. I... Why? Why oh, no, do they Leo, do it? Leo's is 
stunning. Like, Chief offloads it to him, and he's got a guy that's going to simultaneously tackle him. He's going to tackle him as he catches it. So he gets it, and in the one motion, quick hands, throws it over his own shoulder or head, like flicks it over his own head without looking um, to score a meaningless try to to Owen Craigie, who somehow... It I just like, it's remarkable football. I've never. I've, <laughs> it's so it's it's stunningly skillful. Oh, it's beautiful play, but like, yeah. like it's the dumbest thing I've ever why? seen. And the fact that they yeah. get away with it doesn't assuage the fact that it's it's deranged. And I'm yeah, very glad so. now that they did it. But if that if I had been at the game, and they did that, I wouldn't have seen the grand final because I would have been dead from a heart attack. Yeah, yeah, I think that's about right. Yeah, this throws it over his shoulder to Matt Sears, who takes off upfield. For example, yeah. or it lands yeah. on the ground and someone picks it up and there's a split line and, you know. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I've um, never seen anything like that. No. Can I say, though, Leo Dinova is kind of the forgotten man of this team, isn't he? Like, he, without him, and without him kind of playing halfback reasonably well throughout the year, they would never have been in the position to get here. And he comes on in the second half. And even though, they, <clears throat> even though they have a stumble, in later years, and you would remember this as well as me, when, and particularly when Matthew left, I guess, but if Andrew Johns wasn't playing, the Knights were a reserve-grade side. They, just, they would just fall apart often in games. You know? they, there, was, there were a lot of times where they, they would just collapse. He would go off and they'd go from 20-0 mm. in front to, to lose. Or you know, mm. they couldn't. They were totally uncompetitive without him on the field. The team would completely disintegrate. That doesn't happen in this game. And it doesn't happen in 1997 generally. And he, he's entitled, I think Leo Denver is entitled to be remembered as a fairly important part of this team for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He, um, they lose their way. They get it wrong. They do lose their way. No, no, no. But they, they don't. They drop. Yeah, they yeah. drop. They're, they're, they're much worse off for not having Andrew on the field. But that, that doesn't change what you're saying. Like, they I've don't been collapse. to semifinals. Yeah. No, I've seen them play semifinals with big elites and that sort of cough 2002, 2003. Like, you, you, yeah. they've, been in, they, they've been in finals um, and been up by more than that and lost the game when Joey goes off the field. Yeah. Um, he was worth 10 points on the TAB at the peak of his career. That's how much yeah. he changed the odds. Um, yeah. it, it, he... They were so in tune off him. Yeah, having Matthew there helps. But Leo, as we said, it was the best year to have a halfback out because they got to play some weak sides. But they didn't just play weak sides. Leo won them games against the, the Roosters and tied a game against East where he won clutch games there. He, he played against some of the better sides earlier in the year and got them out of jail or got them competitive. And in this game, they didn't fall apart. The, it let the Bears back in it because they weren't kicking them into the corners. They were getting better yeah. field position. The Knights looked less likely to score, sure. But no, they didn't fall apart. He was yeah. a first-grade halfback. Um, it's a real shame his career didn't pan out. He, he went, yeah. he, he played for the London Broncos before he came to us. That's right. Yeah. Um, and he went to West and he didn't get on that well with Tommy. It was difficult to understand. It seems like <laughs> such similar people. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, and, and he ended up, as time went on, he put on quite a bit of weight at, at West and stuff as well, which that wasn't really his style. He was a very fast, nimble player. He sort of yeah. don't want him too heavy. Um, but he, he was more than capable of being a first good first grade foot footballer and it's a shame it didn't pan out but we'll always have 97 and, and you're right he deserves a hell of a lot of credit for it and you're I kind of glad he that he's yeah. no he didn't get on the, the field in the grand final but he yeah it just it's, it's good that he had this bizarre and insane and demented moment at the end mm. of the game as a bit you know him and owen craigie i guess who also kind mm. of was a big part of this team but didn't really kick on after it and you know it, um mm. yeah it, it's 
it's a he's one of those people who is yeah entitled to be remembered as an important part of the team even if he wasn't there on the day um someone i think it was was it tony butterfield who gave him his premiership ring steve crow i think steve crow yeah Mm. Yeah, he should have got one anyway everyone got one like they had like because they had about 30 on stage like my mum's got one because she was the physio and a heap of them got they all got up and got them and they ran out before adam mcdougall got on he ended up blasting john howard like he got to the stage didn't asked for a ring they didn't have one he didn't know it was john howard and started going yeah, and serious like you know you're a clown and all this stuff gets off the stage and Robbie the prime, prime minister <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of backing yeah. the mad dog he might not have had the right yeah. reason but the message was right um yeah. so, so i don't know how leo didn't get one i don't know if he lost it or didn't get it but there's yeah. a story steve crow did give him his premiership ring in some can i just ask way. given that your mum did get a premiership ring um mm. what do you think she would have done if she'd have got that pass from the chief do you think she'd have held it or do you think she'd have pushed tackle. it? Taken the tackle. Taken the tackle, yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. very sensible. Yeah. Still got that. They've got it framed at home, actually. That's incredible. It's quite a lot now, isn't it? Yeah. Won't ever be going anywhere, but yeah, we've got, I've got it there at home. Yeah. It's wonderful. I, yeah. It's a, it's, it's just a, it's a really odd, elusive, mm. strange game, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, go um, on, yeah, sorry. No, I was just going to say, it's, <laughs> they're so... The, the the idea that they were always going to be in that grand final is so disproved by this game and by how many strange things could have happened. So many things, only one or two things would have needed to be different and they wouldn't have been there. No. Well, they, look, they they came from 18-0 down against Parramatta to, yeah. to get here. So they, they come from 18-0 down. They play against North Sydney, who, you know, they easily could have lost that game. They play the second half without their halfback. They're the game gets tied, someone misses two goals, and then they go to play a team that beat them by about 12 points the week before, and they do it with a halfback with a punctured lung and busted ribs. Yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah. no, there's no sense of destiny about any of this. Like, no. they, <laughs> they had to work for it. Um, Parramatta, by the way, I think got at least 12 down. Sorry, 12 up against North, at least. North, yeah. I don't know what the score they, got yeah. to, but they got at least 12 up on North. So um, there's a in this final series, it's very Parramatta-ish and sort of a, a you know, little precursor of things to come. <laughs> that they, they basically lose both games by possibly being between 18 and 12 up in both of them against these <laughs> two teams. Yeah, and, and ha- having finished third too. So that these, yeah, you know, one of these teams finished below them, one just above. It's, um, you know, it's, it's a real, isn't it a shame that Brian Smith never coached the Bears? That would have been a real match <laughs> made in heaven. Like really... Pointless in finals fairness, runs. <laughs> he would have got him. He would have got him to a grand final at least. They would have stopped yeah. losing. They would have stopped losing yeah. prelims. Yeah, 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 that's true. They would have got in one or two, but it's, it's yeah. not a match made in the head for bridesmaids. But yeah, it is. Yeah. He, he did poach their best players and took them and made, managed to lose at Parramatta with them. You've got to give him that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Taylor, Taylor. And Taylor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. A, I, I'm glad that we watched this. It's, it's very. Um, you just realise how much incident there is and how many things. Loved it. Yeah, yeah. yeah likewise. Um, and, and, of course, you know, there's not much point going into too much more detail about this. I mean, about what happens after. Everybody knows what happens a week later to the Knights. Uh, mm. And everybody knows what happened about two years later to the Bears. And you, you, and you have a theory, I think, that, um, that this might have played a part. Yeah. So one of my long-standing rugby league theories is, uh, if everyone's familiar with the butterfly effect, yes. is what I call... Um, a Se- I call it a Sears moment and anything, things that change history. So the Sears effect or the Sears moment. So what I suggest is the Matt Sears, Darren Albert chase, but the Albert, Albert getting Matt Sears fundamentally changes rugby league history. So sure. let me throw you through, and this is all scientifically proven. I've done the maths on all of this. Yeah, you've run the numbers. Yeah. 
Yeah. Let me hit you with what happens if Matt City scores in that corner. So if anyone bar Darren Albert is playing, maybe, you know, shame where it's on the wing, City <laughs> scores, uh, for example. And, uh, and this is what happens in rugby league. So let me run you through it first. So firstly, Jason Taylor wins the Clive Churchill medal in 1997. Wow. Uh, Brett tough. Dallas scores with six seconds to go and goes over. So we get Brett, Brett does... Yeah, Taylor on the blind redhead. side. Yeah, Brett, Brett Dallas with a red hair jumping up in the in goal to, to win the first grand final since the 1920s for North Sydney. Right? Very so well. Thirdly, and of course, most importantly, the Bears are still in the competition because the Bears don't win the 97 grand final and get booted out. No, uh, they win a fairy tale grand final. They, they beat Manly. It's an absolute fairy tale. They've, they've then been in four prelims, one grand final, and won it. They come back to reunification. There's no way they force them to merge with Manly after Brett Dallas beats Manly with six seconds left a year and a half earlier. Like, it's not going to happen. When you think about it, the it, Knights' record after this, right? So the Knights made yeah. how many? They made a lot of. They made the finals pretty much every year after this. They, they, in they fact, made, they did, it, made it every year from '97 to 2004. 2003, another, sorry, 2003. They, they yeah. made another grand final. They made yeah. another prelim. Like, it's quite a similar run. That The Bears, if they had won one, would have been remembered as one of the great sides of the 90s. Yep, yep, that's exactly right. So they're still in the competition. They, they, they make more final series. When, when, when the salary cap comes back to normal, a lot of good players come available. A lot of them want to go to the Bears. Muir was going there in 98, so they get out of Muir. They, all of a sudden, the cap comes back down a couple of years later and some of those super clubs get ripped up. And you, you probably ping a few of those where, you know, for yeah. example, Ricky Stewart goes to Canterbury, Blake Brad Clyde goes there. They might want to go to the, someone might want to go to the Bears. They want to comp. They're a good side. Yeah. They're in Sydney. Um, so the next point to flow on from that is this is the fourth of the fifth Sears effect moment sure. is that um, Andrew Johns accepts Wayne Bennett's offer to go to Brisbane. We don't win 97. We, we don't win that grand final. He gets the big offer at the turn of the century. They dick Matthew and he goes and he goes to Brisbane, becomes the most hated Judas in the Newcastle area, wins two or three competitions with Darren Lockyer at the Super Club, becomes sort of the Kevin Durant of rugby league. He was hated and, and, and loathed in the Hunter Valley because he was very, like, he got a big offer from them. We don't yeah. win in 97. We go no good 98, 99. He goes, I can't win with these blokes. Like, they're not getting it yeah. done for me. It's a Mickey Mouse operation that the night and they've just shipped broke. Off my, yeah. and they've sent my brother to england because my brother yep shipped off my brother we you know we're, we're broke the chief's going um that you know the 97 fueled gave him enough money to kick on with goes to brisbane universally loathed i'm still throwing daggers at him now he's a judas you know yeah. uh, thurston was about half that giving all yeah. that yep a lot of that and look yeah. i have perhaps the last and most important point of what happens if matt sears scores that try Danny Williams never leaves the Bears and never king hits Mark O'Neill. It never happens. Because <laughs> he never would have left. He would have won the grand the final Bears. with him. He would have said a five-year contract as a what Bears enforcer after knocking out Mark Carroll in the grand final, <laughs> Harrigan style. Gets a, like, a long-running rivalry with Mark Carroll. Never, <laughs> never leaves them. Never king hits Mark O'Neill. Mark O'Neill's still got all his brain cells. Incredible. No CTE for Mark yeah. O'Neill. Yeah. That's right. But, but but we we wouldn't then have the uh, greatest like the greatest ever excuse that, that his judiciary reasoning for hitting him. What what did he call it? Um, acute brain hypoxia, wasn't it? Yeah, was yeah something like that. Yeah. An amnesia, an amne- like Tem- a, like he had like temporary, temporary amnesia, temporary insanity. To, yeah. yeah, causing him to knock out Mark. And we wouldn't have that either. It's true. And that we wouldn't but be a loss for that. Yeah. Not to go silly, but I reckon you've got to remember Jason Taylor retired in two thousand and one. That was around mm. the time that Matt Orford was coming good. 
Mm. The Bears would have been able to roll straight to Matt Orford, who was in their parish because he was from Gosford, and they had made mm. some moves towards the Central Coast. I was suggesting Brett Kamali would have ended up back at the Knights. Yeah, yeah. They would, they would have, have, yeah. they would have bought yeah. back the farm and got Brett Kamali mm. back in to replace Joey, who'd gone to Brisbane. And we would mm. think Brett Kamali was the underrated hero of rugby league mm. history and that Joey was a filthy Judas who'd left us in the lurch. Yeah, exactly right. And, the universe. and the Bears uh, would have made the Parramatta run in 01 with uh, Jason Taylor would have led the Bears to a second grand final. Uh, they would have won that one. And then Matt Orford <laughs> rolls through off the retirement. And we're talking about they're possibly the Roosters are now, the power club hey. coming through. Yeah, And of course, but mainly Danny Williams. It's the main point I want to get across. I think that's fair. wouldn't have the king hit. No. Yeah. I don't know. Sorry about all that. No, I, I'm, I appreciate it. It's a, it's a, it's a, a stunning vision of an alternate and quite frightening mm. timeline. Um, yeah. Yeah. Would, who would be in a, would you think Joey would still be an immortal? I suppose he would if he'd won three concerts. Well, not in my eyes. Not no, my you'd eyes. be like, you'd be really denigrating saying it was only like he rode no. the Brisbane side of success. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sort of menacing him in the post, angry letters to this day sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh God, I would never have handled any of that. I, I don't know if I'd still be here if Andrew had ever left. Like at the turn of the century, it's hard to know if I'd still be alive. Honestly, you I, certainly, I, you, you I used my childhood. You wouldn't yeah. have. Uh, you certainly wouldn't be doing a podcast about rugby league. I think that's fair. No, uh, people no. can make their own minds up about whether this is a better or worse uh, alternative future. Um, yeah. Gazzy, thank you for all of that. I, I'm really glad that we've done this game and I hope that, uh, that listeners at home have enjoyed it. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, we'll post up the clip. We'll post up that bit about Sears and you know, people can let us know whether they think that what, what they think would have happened if Matt Sears had scored um, and, if, and, and what would have happened if the Bears had won this game. I'd be, I'd be keen to hear about some alternative histories that might have come about. Uh, would Brett Kamali have become an immortal at the Newcastle Knights? Um, that, you know, that's a question which I think I'm, I'm happy to stew on over the next the next week or so, and I'd encourage listeners at home to do the same. We and might have I, ended up with Steve Witt for five years instead. That, I, yeah, I certainly wouldn't be uh, following rugby. Possibly more game. realistic. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, it's, any, uh, any, any, any final thoughts? No, I think I'll end on Steve Witt. I think that's probably for the best. Uh, thank you always, listeners. Uh, hope you've enjoyed it, and uh, we will be in touch through the week about what the next game is. As always, thanks for listening to the Rugby League Cemetery. Batted back there by McDougall and North Sydney come up with the ball. Nigel Roy. Well, there was a chance if someone was trailing through for the Knights. And Taylor, counter-attack for the Bears. Butner on the outside with Taylor. Then back inside for Sears. Dinamar gets across. So to O'Davis. Sears is through. 20 minutes from the line. Dalman coming across it. Cover. What a tackle. What a tackle from Darren Albert on Matt Sears. And it's no try. Well, Matt Sears can't believe it.